now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. Midweek, Wednesday, hump day edition of the Gabe Coon Show. Welcome in August 30th, 2023. I am your host, Gabe Coon, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman on X at G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? Happy birthday to my beautiful wife, Kat. Happy birthday, Kat. Happy birthday to Kat. Yes. Also, happy one month out. One month my, uh, until my wedding. One month. One month. When did when did the nerves set in? What do you think? Did uh, you ever have nerves set in? Ten minutes before you walk out. <laughs> okay, I got gotcha. you. You, I'm I'm not really kidding. You'll feel totally fine, and then right before you walk out to actually get married, all of a sudden the nerves hit you, and it's very odd because you're like, all of these people are people that I know. It's I don't have to perform anything. I'm uh, not doing anything. I mean, my wedding's gonna be pretty deep. That's the truth of it. But you'll know everything. Well, you'll, my mom, you, my, you know. my, my, my Taylor's side of the family is not big. Fiance's side of the family is not big. My dad's side, five kids on my dad's side of the family. And my mom's side, nine deep. They're nine deep. My wow. mom's one of nine. That is, that's a lot. That's a lot of family. That's a lot of family. Extended family, the, second and third cousins. The only reason I was nervous is I wanted to make sure I had like all the movements down. Like when <laughs> I had to move, when I had to answer, what I had to do. Like you're thinking through all of those things, just trying to make sure that you, you don't mess it up. up. Like you're pucking up. Standing well, because up there. like oh, also you gotta you gotta keep those knees bent. Don't lock those knees. Sway a little bit. You don't want to lock those knees. Or you'll go backwards. You'll go. You'll 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 bye bye. How long was your ceremony? It can, it, oh, dude, it was like uh, thirty minutes. Oh, okay. it was quick. Ours can be substantially shorter than that. Right, we I'm did half honest. mass. It was very fast. Okay, ours is going to be maybe fifteen tops. Nice, which I love. Nice. I'm I'm all for that. It's like speeches. And the ceremony itself, I don't think people really want to sit through all those at all times. I th- a little bit. You do a little bit. You know. Last wedding I was at, I love the best man. I was one of the groomsmen up there. So I love the best man, brother of the groom. He went 15 minutes on his speech. It was, well, it was, it was a happened. great speech. It was a great speech. Speeches he, are for the rehearsal. And he dinner. tried, and he tried really hard, but it's just 15 minutes in. You're just like, damn, this thing is dragging this, on, isn't it? The speech happened at the wedding ceremony? Yeah. Well, oh, after, dude. after, after, Spe- after, yeah, after. Speeches after. are either for the reception, reception. or for it was the reception. rehearsal. It was reception. But That's still. fine. You can do a long speech at a wedding. Yeah. Okay. It's his brother getting oh, no, married, Gabe. No, no, Give him fine. some time. It's fine. He Give put, him some put his time heart on the into mic. it. But 15 minutes, I think there's people out there that would was agree it, with was me. Was it funny at least? Yeah, parts of it. Oh, parts, parts of, it. of it. Not the whole thing. It got sweet. Like the the the, the last line was, aw. Like he the whole crowd did, gave you the aw moment. He gave you a radio segment. Yes. <laughs> about his brother. There's nothing wrong with it. It, it was impressively written, but it did it did last a while. We the, gave him his props. The light starts coming on. It starts <laughs> blinking at him. They had start a, giving him the wrap-up signal. They, they, they apparently gave him like a three-minute time allotment, and he went 15. He, he, oh, I kind he of multiplied that. It, yeah. By five. He said, to hell with y'all. <laughs> to hell with y'all. Now but we, no, you, it, don't be nervous. It's going to be great. No, I think we're all good. 
I think we're all good. Now, three hours to talk all the way, courtesy of 92.9 FM, ESPN, and yours truly. Going to open up here in just a moment on overreaction, not an overreaction. We'll have a FIBA World Cup discussion in there. Jonathan Taylor, like, the Colts are absolute morons. I'm going to put it out there. They're like, the, the, It is moronic. They have not traded him. They're going to keep him on the physically unable to perform list. And the asking price, supposedly, has been released by Miami Herald's Barry Jackson. And I cannot even fathom how they thought that this could potentially be an asking price for Jonathan Taylor at the given moment. It's unbelievable what they what they think he's worth. Now, as far as guests are concerned, we have a lot on the show today, 4.30, ahead of his uh, appearance Tuesday, Memphis Touchdown Club luncheon. It'll be Mike Keith, uh, the Tennessee Titans play-by-play voice, voice of the Titans. That'll be fun to catch up with him on the Titans heading into this year. Can they win the AFC South over the Jags? That'll be an interesting discussion to have. With Mike, 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins will join. Jeff Calkins show in the Daily Memphian, as he normally does every single day on the Gabe Coon Show. And then 6 o'clock, Ty Richardson from ESPN Arkansas every single Wednesday. It's customary to bring him on the show. We'll talk college football, Utah, Florida, um, as well as the rest of week one um, as, as it comes at us very, very quickly. The Blitz will be fun as today we had an NBA referee that – was under investigation by the NBA, retire. We'll give you the details when we get to the Blitz. And then in small talk today, you just finished up Hard Knocks episode four, right? I did. I did. I finished watching it today. Not a lot of cuts. Not a lot of cuts. No. Uh, to, but to we saw. Of. But we, we saw them coming. We the, the the guys that got cut, we knew. We knew that they were setting them up for I it. I think we have to have, like, the, the largest discussion here is about when someone says they don't know who you are, and if that someone is Aaron Rodgers, you cannot respond by saying you don't know who Aaron Rodgers is. Jihad <laughs> Ward. <sighs> Jihad Ward, number 55 for the Giants, got caught saying he didn't know who Aaron Rodgers was. That is single-handedly one of the dumbest comebacks I've heard in the history of hard knocks, but it is what it is. But let's go ahead and get into it. Let's hop into overreaction, not an overreaction. Now, it's overreaction or not an overreaction. We are to Crazy. Chill, homie. On the Gabe Cujo from 92.9. All right, Gabe. First up, the USA is now 3-0 in the FIBA World Cup after beating Jordan 110-62. They now move into another group with Montenegro, Greece, and Lithuania. They are now heading into the real test. Overreaction or not an overreaction? <laughs> Heavy overreaction. What are we talking about? <laughs> they hammered Greece in a friendly uh, Lithuania, okay, they haven't played them, but I, I don't feel that strongly about anybody on the Lithuanian team. And then Montenegro, that's going to be an easy test. No, they're, they're, this team, as much as everyone was freaking out about, oh, this is the young guys, you don't have a lot of all-star appearances, they're great. They're very good. And it shouldn't be surprising. Anthony Edwards has stepped into his role as the leading scorer in such a big way, he had 22-8-4 today. And If you got up at 3.30 a.m. to go watch this game, you need help. You need serious help. We will refer you to a shrink immediately. But, but Ant-Man Ant- 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 had 22-8-4, but uh, uh, they, they're good. They're very good. Finally, I, I was glad to see that we made a decision as the USA – Steve Kerr finally took Brandon Ingram yes. out of the starting lineup yes. and put Josh Hart in. Brandon Ingram, isn't it kind of strange, though? Coming into this, you thought Brandon Ingram would be the main scorer, sort of the key guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's in his mid-20s. He's been to all-stars. He's a 20-point-per-game scorer. He has been bad. 
he has not fit in the right way with this team. It was time to replace him. Josh Hart ultimately replaces him, but I've been surprised that Brandon Ingram's been so bad. Yeah, real quick on the Josh Hart move. I thought it was a very good move for Team USA because he got you 12 rebounds. You know, he got in there and he did the dirty work. He knew he wasn't going in to score. He played defense really well. He moved the ball and he got rebounds. If you're a Pelicans fan, I have a real question for you, Gabe. If you're a Pelicans fan and you're watching Brandon Ingram struggle Getting into a system with other scores. Do you have <laughs> yeah. concerns? Because we've I don't know. we've never really seen him and CJ and Zion run like oh. those three. How is he going to work when they ha- when he has two guys that need the ball in their hands playing next to him? He's talked about how he he is on record saying that he has struggled figuring out what his role is on this team. He doesn't know how to play without the ball in his hands all the time. It's going to be interesting to see how this translates to the Pelican season. As a Grizzlies fan, you're thrilled. <laughs> can, can I be honest? I've always had questions about how that Pelicans team would look at full strength. Yeah. I love the addition of C.J. McCollum because he can bring you that perimeter scoring. He can he can be an on-ball guy. He can spread the ball around. So that has been a, a very positive addition for that team uh, the past couple of years. Now, I have always wondered about Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson if they're on the floor at the same time for extended period of time. They operate on the same areas of the floor. Right, They try to get off the bounce. They try to get to the rim. They're both good slashers. Brandon Ingram has a better jumper. But I've always wondered about that. And then also you add Jonas Valanciunas to that uh, sort of equation. We know he can get in the way. He, he wants to be an offensive dominant big. And I, I just don't, I don't know how it all fits together. They have a lot of talent. Um, Not a lot but of creation. I, I, I'm going to be honest, though. I'm going to be honest, though. I do, as much as you could just throw this to the side and be like, well, this is the FIBA World USA World Cup team. No, that's not draw massive conclusions about Brandon Ingram fitting in with the Pelicans. I think there's there's some lessons we can take away from Brandon Ingram and his lack of um, sort of fit here alongside other good players. Right. Now, that being said, we do, I think, have to give him some credit because with 15 minutes off of the bench, he did score seven points. He had five assists, two rebounds. He, he showed effort when he came in, and he played well. So it, maybe, it hasn't been a lack of effort the entire time. No, it hasn't time. been. It hasn't it's just been, been He just hasn't really fit with that starting lineup, even though in your head it makes all the sense in the world to start him. Because he's not necessarily a guy who likes to defer a lot. Right. He wants to have the ball in his hands. He wants to go score. But you have a lot of guys in that starting lineup who can go score. So that, that's been the big issue with him. Jaron Jackson Jr., another, another solid performance, 80% from the field, 12.6 rebounds, two blocks. He is – listen, I want to see him get more involved offensively, but he has been – the and this has not been the case throughout his career with how much he's played on the perimeter and everything else. I know last year was his peak efficiency for his NBA career, but the efficiency he's showing on the offensive end. He's not demanding the ball at a crazy amount, but when he gets the ball, when he wants to go score, he scores. Yeah. The well, ball goes through the net. And I like that it's not just three point shots. You know, he was over two from three, but you know, they were they weren't bad looks, but he is getting to the rim, he is driving, he's creating off of the dribble. He is trying to evolve his game offensively to where he's not just on that perimeter. He's also creating for himself, which, which I like a lot. Hey, six re- rebounds, too. Six rebounds. Not bad. Um, so they're not the USA so sort of getting back to this. I don't think that this is a real test. I think that the group they're in, Group K, is not that hard. Lithuania, Montenegro, and Greece. But once they have to start playing Serbia, Slovenia, Germany gave them a little bit of trouble in a friendly, uh, Canada, Spain, that's when the test will come. But they're all in different groups right now. So we'll see what it looks like once they move past this group they're in right now. But uh, I don't think they're going to get tested in the next I will say, I'm just happy that we're not having to listen to the whole this team sucks conversation anymore because that was always ridiculous. What I'm very happy about is I grow so damn tired. Oh, well, 
you know, international ball is catching up to the U.S. No, it's not. This is, this is sort of the B team. Uh, you could argue it's the uh, between the B team and the C team of what the U.S. can actually offer, and they're still just wiping the floor with the rest of the world. This is, this is the team. This is a group of guys trying to make the A team. Yes. You know, we kind of sit like, listen, this is there's our There's like four all-star our very, appearances. Very, very good. Yeah, defensive player combined. of the years. There's, there's no scrubs on this team by any means. But, you know, when you do look at it and you're like, well, Walker Kessler's there and Bobby Portis is there. It's not. It's absolutely not the best, you know, that the U.S. could send. If, if the U.S. sent their full-strength team, it would be, I mean, it would be a, a bloodbath. You know, like <laughs> it would yes. be, it'd be Devin Booker, LeBron, Kevin Durant, like those types of guys. It would be unfair. Yeah, but Canada looks like they have Canada's some juice. Good. Canada's Spain good. Spain has Spain's, some juice, Spain's although Santi looking good. Looking good. He had eleven points today. I even though like even with Spain, we saw the this U.S. team beat Spain in a friendly. So like I, I don't think they're going to have issues. I think they'll run through this tournament and make it into the championship game, and then we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it. Is Rondé Hollis Jefferson getting <sighs> signed by anybody? <laughs> he he is. I, I didn't realize how many Rondé Hollis Jefferson fans there were out there. Did you? I did not. I mean, he's played he's played well. Um, it was fun while it lasted, but Jordan's out now. Jordan's out now. But I, could he get signed? Sure. He's he's been a you know solid, somewhat productive NBA player in the past. I mean, he's getting a little bit up there in age, but I don't see why he wouldn't get at least a look. Before the season, gets it was here. cool. He was one of the fun stories from from. I would say overall, I'm really enjoying this tournament. I think it's been really fun to watch. The highlights have been great. The games have been great when I've been watching them, and you really do feel like you're starting to watch kind of the next generation of USA guys really starting starting to come into their own. You know what I mean? So that's it's exciting to watch as a you know fan of USA basketball. Rondé Hollis Jefferson, though, back to that. Okay, part of this is. Jordan has nobody else they can rely on, so he's going to take all the shots. Probably and the stats. Yeah. that's that's what that's what you're seeing. He's been somewhat efficient, though. You know. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, sure, but I mean, he's playing for Jordan, and they lost one ten to sixty two. I'm, I was, I was, I was mostly kidding when I said, <laughs> yeah. "Is he going to get signed?" But you know, crazier things have happened. Who knows? Maybe somebody goes down for a team, and they and they grab him. Thinking he that they need he some has help. NBA talent. Like, there's no doubt about that, but it's there's got to be a team that thinks that he they can that he can actually affect winning, and I don't know who who that who out there thinks that at this moment. Right. All right. Next up, it's being reported that the Colts asked the Dolphins. Are you ready for this? Are you are you sitting down? You are sitting I down. I am sitting for down for Jalen Waddle. For Jalen Waddle in return for Jonathan Taylor before trade talks are through, the Colts are out of their mind. Overreaction? Not an overreaction. The Colts need God. This is not an overreaction. What are we talking about? You don't value this guy enough to pay him money, yet you want a rookie contract, thousand-yard receiver who has four-two-eight speed. Are you are you kidding me? Because Jalen Waddle's going to get how much on the like open market when he resigns with the Dolphins? How much money is that going to be? A lot. Probably twenty million plus dollars per year. You're not willing to pay Jonathan Taylor that, but you want a twenty million dollar per year receiver in return. They're, they're ridiculous. Now I get why they're asking for like things. They they want to build their team. They want Anthony Richardson to have guys to throw to. Jalen Waddle would be a great addition to the Colts. But there's no way that the Dolphins could look at that in their right mind and say, oh, that's, uh, I'm willing to do that, especially with where running back value is at. It just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I, I saw Robert Griffin III sort of talk about yesterday um, uh, via, via Twitter, via X, t- sort of talking about it, it would be stupid for the Colts to trade Jonathan Taylor 
right now. I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. He's their best player. He's their best offensive player right now. But at the same time, I feel like the relationship between the front office, between Jim Ursay, between Jonathan Taylor and the agent, I feel like that relationship is too far gone at this moment. Trying to recover that's going to be really hard. Jim Ursay opened his big mouth and clearly does not value Jonathan Taylor as much as he should be valued as a player. At which point, I, I just don't know how you start to mend that relationship. I just don't know if it's ever going to get back to normal. Um, but Jonathan Taylor's going to be out for the first four games for the Colts. That's going to hurt Anthony Richardson. Uh, having to start week one, being thrown into the fire immediately. Uh, but this is, they're a dumpster fire. Like, the Colts are a dumpster fire. And the fact that they really thought that they could tell the Dolphins, hey, we want Jalen Waddell out of a Jonathan Taylor trade. Get out of here. Get out of here. That is just, it's, it's insanely stupid. You're not willing to pay this guy, but you want a, probably when he re-ups, a $20 million per year receiver. Just doesn't make any sense. Jalen Waddell on most teams in the NFL, if not any other team, would be a wide receiver one. There's maybe a few. Like the, the Bengals, he wouldn't be. But there, there's a few out there that he wouldn't be wide receiver one. But he would be but on he's damn still near young and he every can grow single into, team. He, he's still young, and who knows it's what just, he'll be here in the next two the years. The value is not even close to being the same. Jonathan Taylor is an amazing running back when he's out there on the field. But the Colts have completely devalued him from their own comments. And to think that you would be able to get Jalen Waddle out of a deal for Jonathan Taylor just makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. If, 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 if I, the, the Dolphins had to laugh at them when they asked for him. There's no other response. It that, had to, because they had to be like, you're kidding, right? What's your real offer? But then also, like, it, it sort of furthers the conversation about Jim Ursay, Chris Ballard, and the, you know, Jonathan. They're not making negotiations with other teams in good faith. No. That's not a good it's faith. Bad faith. It's bad 100%. faith. It's bad faith. That's stupid. And, and, and Jim Ursay was the one on Twitter talking about how everything's been done in good faith and that, oh, we had the CBA negotiations. Those were in good faith, even though no CBA negotiation in the NFL is ever done in good faith. Uh, but Jalen Waddell, last year, 1,300 yards, 8 TDs, 75 receptions. Why in the hell would – and he's on a rookie deal. Why in the hell would the Dolphins move off of him? That is just foolish. I, it really was a joke offer, in my opinion. Well, I think the Colts just threw it out there to make it clear we're not actually going to move Jonathan Taylor, but we're trying to save face and act like we're going to look for a trade partner. But this was ultimately going to come out. So I don't know why they, – they have just, from a PR standpoint, botched this step after step after step. Do you think that it even – that it damages the relationship with Jonathan Taylor even further because it's so obvious that that type of deal was in bad faith and there it was just – it wasn't even like a real trade offer. It's like one of those horrific deals that you get five minutes after the your fantasy football draft and you're just like, what? <laughs> There's no way I'm doing this. You know, it's – if you're Jonathan Taylor and you're saying, listen, they gave they gave us permissions to go seek a trade, we found the Dolphins, we brought the Dolphins to the table for them, and then they just almost insulted Jonathan Taylor, his agent, and the Dolphins by this by this well, trade offer. How do you feel if you're Jonathan Taylor? It doesn't get you any closer to getting back on the field. You 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 said to Jonathan Taylor and his agent, hey, go seek a trade. Go seek a trade. But by Tuesday, that's your deadline. And you you weren't gonna say yes to anything, clearly. If Jalen Waddle was the asking price, you're not getting anything close to Jalen Waddle in return. You're not getting a first-round pick. So it's just all been done in bad faith, and I just hear Jim Ursay. I mean, it's so hypocritical what he's done this entire offseason with Jonathan Taylor. You want to talk about good faith, and you are acting in bad faith every step of the way. I just want to see Jonathan Taylor on the field because I think it makes the NFL better. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. 
and everyone wants to see him play. He brings entertainment value to the field every single Sunday, and it's going to be a shame that we may not see him all year. When Dan Snyder left, Jim Mercer said, it is my time to shine. He was ready for the moment, and he is not disappointing. He is not disappointing. All right, finally, Utah, Florida is tomorrow night in Salt Lake. It's a good opener for college football week one. Cam Rising, Utah's QB, is a game-time decision. So my question to you, Florida and Graham Mertz have a chance. Overreaction, not an overreaction. If we're talking about – because I I don't know what to think about Cam Rising right now. He's eight months post-op on an ACL. I'm going to say, weirdly enough, not an overreaction. Because I think, you know, when you look at who Cam Rising's backups are, they have not gotten a lot of run. Bryson Barnes, Nate Johnson, they are in a dead heat to potentially start. If Cam Rising goes, I think a lot of bets are off. But even at that point, is Cam Rising healthy enough to be productive? Even this entire season, certainly in in an opening game against Florida on a Thursday night when they're the only thing on TV. Um, But I think Florida... Has a has a outside chance. I don't think they're that great on defense. I don't think they're that great on offense. You have a quarterback by the name of Graham Mertz, who at Wisconsin never reached the potential you thought he was going to reach when he was in Madison. Um, but he, here's the here's what Florida has to do. Graham Mertz has to be timely. He has to hit a couple of shots, one or two downfield early in the game, lighten that box up, and let that O line and those running backs go to work for Florida. Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Both ran for up over 700 yards last year, multiple touchdowns. If Graham Mertz can keep that Utah defense relatively honest, I think that Florida's running game can take over. But Graham Mertz has to take it upon himself to to make them honest. I, I will say this. There is no way if Cam Rising is healthy and comfortable and that ACL isn't bothering him, there's no way Florida can win this game. But if he's not playing, which I, I, I it's going to be a game time decision, doesn't look great. I think Florida can have a can have a, a healthy shot, and and Vegas sees it. Vegas sees it. This was a seven and a half point line for most of the off season when they thought Cam Rising was going to be able to start. Now it's down to three and a half in Utah's favor. Now they're at home. It's hard to go into Salt Lake and win, but uh, but I I wouldn't be surprised if Florida gives Utah a push if Cam Rising's not going. I think there's a shot there. Now that'll do it. Four, overreaction, not an overreaction. Now, the Memphis Touchdown Club has their speaker series. There's eight parts, eight different speakers that will speak this fall at the Hilton Memphis. We had Mr. College Football on last week, Tony Barnhart. He spoke this past Monday. Coming up next Tuesday, there's going to be a luncheon starting at 1130 at Hilton Memphis with the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. Mike Keith has been gracious enough to share some time with us. He will join the show next right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back rolling on the Gabe Coon Show. I always tell you about the Memphis Touchdown Club and the speaker series they have this fall. The next in line, we had Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, this past Monday, but coming up next Tuesday for a luncheon will be the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, and he joins me now on the show. I think everything will be held. Uh, Hilton Memphis, 11.30 a.m. is when that will start. You can find tickets information at memphistdclub.com. Mike, how's it going? 
Gabe, it's great to be on the show with you. Absolutely, of course. Uh, how are we? How are we feeling about the season? Not too far away. Uh, Titans, of course. Add DeAndre Hopkins this offseason. I was so glad. I mean, I, unbelievably glad to see Traylon Burks avoided a big injury on that knee in that joint practice uh, earlier in the uh, preseason. Uh, but what's what's the overall feeling from your side about what the Titans can accomplish this year? I think there's a lot of good feeling right now, Gabe, particularly because of the additions. But also, you refer to the injury that Traylon sustained while we were in Minnesota practicing against the Vikings. And as that happened, we're standing there on the field and we're watching, and your your first thought is, this is catastrophic right. again. You know, just like the last two years where we've played 177 players. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. That's a crazy number of players. And and I said to Dave McGinnis, my broadcast partner, who was there watching practice with me, I said, isn't it time that we get a break with this injury thing? Is, right. Isn't it just time that we that something happened and it's not the end of the world? And guess what? It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It, it was not the end of the world. He's back on the practice field today even. Um not doing everything yet, but he's back working. And, you know, maybe the tide has turned in that way for us. Maybe good fortune is smiling on us a little bit where we're going to have a chance to be a healthier football team. Now, I have uh, talked about the Titans this offseason, and obviously DeAndre Hopkins really made me feel a lot better about what they have on the outside. Uh, defensively, I always think they're going to have some juice with Mike Vrabel. And, and, and Mike Vrabel, it's very clear he is a coach that's not into any type of rebuilding. That was the conversation after all the old linemen had to walk out the door this offseason. Uh, you had to cut ties with a lot of guys. Um, everyone sort of thought, okay, is this the beginning of a rebuild? Mike Vrabel doesn't seem overly interested in that, neither does Rand Carthon, the new GM. But I, I have said this. I think about this year's team in particular. I think there is some fragility at certain spots. Ryan Tannehill went down last year, and they couldn't really recover because Malik Willis in his rookie year struggled. Um, but I feel like, you know, what I mean by the fragility, Ryan Tannehill goes down, uh, Derrick Henry goes down, you start to feel a little different about their chances this year in the AFC South. Do, do you sort of feel the same way, or, or do you view it differently? I view it differently. Um, we're better at the quarterback spot than we were a year ago if that were to happen. We're better at the running back spot from a year ago if that were to happen. Uh, the offensive line... And, and some of the decisions that we made in this offseason were viewed externally, particularly on a national level, as well. You're letting all this experience go. We're letting guys go that didn't really have a chance to play for us. Yeah, Taylor Lewan, I felt year. bad with how that all ended up, but he only played yeah, a few but, games on that new contract. But, you know, you see, I mean, he's not playing anywhere now. You right. know, I mean, he's he's done, and, and I, I don't – think there's any doubt that Ben Jones is done and you know Nate Davis has gone on to Chicago but he wasn't playing at the end of last year and you know that that was the whole thing is we'd lost some names but there were also some decisions that had to be made financially that were going to have to be made you know it was kind of a, a period in time where we said and and your point is dead on Mike Vrabel's not rebuilding no he's not interested <laughs> in going five and twelve or you know, two and fifteen to get Caleb Williams in the draft. Or, I mean, that's just not. We're just not doing that here. Not with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to compete. So what they've done is they've retooled, 
And there is an exceptional amount of hunger on this roster based on the fact that you have a lot of guys on one-year deals. You have a lot of guys at the end of deals who would like to get more money and keep playing. You have a lot of younger players who are getting their big chance. And they can, you know, step forward to not only make a roster but become a starter. And then you've got this rookie group, which at this moment in time is 11 strong, and they're trying to make their own way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the only guy really getting paid in terms of a big raise this offseason was Jeffrey Simmons, and he's best football yeah. player on the team. Deserves it. Deserves and, it. And he's, the, you know, the future face of the franchise if he's not already. So the point being, I, I think they have rewarded somebody that they're saying to the rest of the team, this is what we want you to be like. We want you to be top three at your position we want you to lo- love this organization, love football, love practicing. You know, he played with an ankle that needed surgery after the season for the whole second half of the year. And so, so the bottom line is they're, they're saying, if you achieve like this guy and you perform like this guy, we'll pay you at the top end of the league. We're happy to do so. Yep. Now, Teresa Walker covers the team unbelievably there, and she is a, a multiple-time you know, award winner um, for the AP, um, uh, covering the Titans in general. And she, is, she has come out. I heard her talk about it on a, a local show over at Grind City Media last week, uh, Rise and Grind with Jessica Benson and C.J. Hurt. She said that she thinks Ryan Tannehill is unequivocally the most important player on this team if they want to reach the heights they want to reach. Do you agree with that sentiment? Sure. He's a quarterback. Right. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's what this is all about. It's the most important single position in all of sports. And if you have excellent quarterback play, which we had for three years under Ryan, then you've got a chance to do this. Last year, uh, he was, in many ways, playing excellent football, didn't have a chance to really do that because not only did he get hurt, but he played hurt and – you know, just really not a not a fair judgment of him with what he tried to do. But if he gives us performance like he did in 20 and 21, mm-hmm. this team can go to the playoffs. This yeah. team can be trouble for somebody. And I think in large part they can be trouble for somebody because I think the defense is going to be outstanding. It certainly right. has the potential to be outstanding. If if we're doing more offensively than 17.6 points per game, then this team has a chance to, to be as competitive as anybody. Because, again, the defense, which you haven't totally seen yet, and we'll see in New Orleans in a few days, uh, I think they're pretty doggone good. Yep. And they have a chance to be, you know, that they've got to play to their potential, but they've got a chance to be dominant. And they're solid up front. Danico Autry, Tier Tar, Jeffrey Simmons. The the one thing we were asking about is really the back end. How's that going to look? That pass defense. Kevin Byard's still there. You have Amani Hooker. Christian Fulton uh, is more experienced. I love the addition of Sean Murphy Bunting. I'm a big fan of Roger McCreary. I have I have high hopes for this defense ultimately as we get into the season. And uh, I, I just sort of look at that division as a whole. And if you look at, you know, Vegas odds, the Jags are favored by a whole lot. But I have sort of delved into their schedule. It is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it is brutal. 
total. I mean, you have the yeah, Chiefs. Well, welcome you have to the, a first place schedule. Yeah, right. I mean, you have the Chiefs, the Bills, the the. Uh, yeah. You have to go to New Orleans. You have San Fran. I mean, it, it just go up and down that that schedule. And yeah, I, I like the Jags and what they've done. I think Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence have a potential to be one of the best duos, quarterback receiver duos in the entire NFL. But that schedule is going to get in the way of them the entire year. It feels like. Well, it's uh, one of the the things that happens when you win the division. And, you know, we've been playing the Chiefs every year since Lynn Dawson was there, so it feels. <laughs> right. um, we, we've been playing the Bills every year. Um, we've had all of these situations where, you know, we've been playing the, either the first or second place schedule in the division, and they've been playing the third or the fourth place schedule in the division. Um you know, they had many years of picking very highly in the draft. They didn't have any salary cap difficulties. Um, last year, they didn't lose a starter to injury until the playoffs. <laughs> right. And so all, all of those things, you know, and, and uh, if, if it continues, great. But, you know, that, that's the trick of all of this is that, when it seems as though everything is stacked in your favor, you have to delve into it as you've done with their schedule and say, well, hang on, mm-hmm. you know, um, they, they are, they should be picked first. They won the division last year. They've got Trevor Lawrence. Doug Peterson's a good coach. They have athletes on both sides of the ball, but remember they lost nine games last year. Yep. They, they won 11 and that was great. But, you know, they, they lost nine ball games. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the, the, that's the challenge is can you, can you be that second-half team like what they were? And we'll see. We'll all find out together. Talking with Voice of the Titans, Mike Keith. How does the staff, how do the fans, how do you sort of feel about – Malik Willis now in year two. I saw some improvement in the preseason, uh, some market improvement. We'll see how it, how it looks. Um, but how do you feel about the backup situation behind Ryan Tannehill? And now Will Levis as well added to that room as a rookie, first pick of the second round. We're dramatically better. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the thing with Malik a year ago is we had to keep him on the active roster because had we waived him and tried to sign him to the practice squad, someone would have stolen him. Mm-hmm. And it, and so we kept him on the active roster, and the whole idea is we're keeping him on the active roster with the idea in mind, Gabe, that he is basically going to take a red shirt because guess what? Ryan Tannehill never gets hurt. Yeah, right, right. Well, guess what happened? <laughs> he you got know? hurt. Yep. I mean, Ryan Tannehill through his career, he missed a whole season with an ACL injury that he suffered in a preseason game. Otherwise, he hasn't been hurt. I mean, he just yep. hasn't gotten banged up. He's just played. And so those are the gambles that you make. And then you have to stick a guy in the games, in eight games, starting three, who's not ready to play. He's just, I mean, the, the system he came out of, which is like most college systems today, most high school systems today, he's not ready to play. Mm-hmm. And we knew it. So those are the things that you gamble on. And this Malik is vastly different than the one last year. The people who wrote him off last year, it was not fair because he, you know, it's like, hey, now's when you really start to judge him. Now's when you start to 
to figure out if he can help you. And listen, he may not be able to hold Levis off. I mean, Levis is exactly who we thought he was physically. Now he's right. missed some time with a with a lower body injury, but Levis can really play. That's why I said earlier when we were talking, the quarterback position behind Tannehill is in so much better shape. Right. And I think the overall competition behind behind him and the two of them competing is making them so much better. Mm-hmm. Now, how high, and I, I listen, I look at DeAndre Hopkins, I think he still has plenty of the tank. People will talk about his injuries, and, and they'll talk about the history of the Titans with some of these uh, some of these uh, older wide receivers, you know, star wide receivers that have come over, the Julio Jones, Randy Moss, sure. Andre Johnsons of the world. How much truly do you think is left in the tank of DeAndre Hopkins? Well, the DeAndre Hopkins thing is, you know, like they talk about, Randy Moss. Well, we signed Randy Moss after he'd been cut twice. You know, I mean, right. that was, I mean, we were just, we were looking for somebody and you kind of go up and down the line of a lot of those guys, even all the way back to Carl Pickens 20 <laughs> something years ago. Um, the, the expectation is different in this situation. And I think especially now because Deandre has practiced for six weeks, mm-hmm. we've seen him in practice. We saw him against Minnesota, and we saw him working over some of their defensive backs. He can clearly still play. And if you put him with Traylon, then then suddenly that's going to give you a very different type of player. Now, I mean, he's 31. Right. He's not exa- exactly who he was when he was 27, but he really doesn't have to be to make us that much more effective in the passing game. So, you know, that's what we're really excited to see is, the the guy just gets open. I mean, it's just amazing how he gets open. He can still run. Speed was never really his game. So in some ways, I mean, if he's lost a half a step, it doesn't really matter. I mean, he's big. He's physical. He can catch it in traffic. You know, you hope he doesn't have an injury problem. But I'll tell you, Gabe, I mean, if we got 14, 15 games out of him, if you told me that right, right. now, I'd be happy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay, fine. You're right. Right, DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks. One guy, too, that I think a lot of people are uh, not talking about enough, and you could certainly speak to it, Chigo Conquo. I, I, I feel like yeah. this is a guy who is going to be an unbelievable pass catcher, unbelievable uh, weapon for Ryan Tannehill in that offense. And, I, and obviously, you know, he, he's young and he's got to grow into himself. He's got to get more experience. But I, I feel as if this is a guy about – you know, five games into the season, most of the NFL will start to catch on to. Yeah, if you draft in your fantasy league, <laughs> Chigakonkwo would be a good pick. Right. Uh, the the challenge for a Chigakonkwo, though, and really for any tight end coming into the league, is you've got to be able to do some inline stuff with the block. Yep. And because they can't, you know, you know, NFL teams will pick up on it that if every time you come to the into the game, they're going to throw you the ball. They will <laughs> right. catch on to that. That's a, yes. that's a big tell. <laughs> no um, doubt. So, you, you know, overall, he has improved as a blocker. He's improved his versatility. And this team's going to throw the ball more than it did. They're certainly going to throw the ball, I think, more on early downs because they don't want to be as predictable. They don't want to get into the third and long situations, which is what they had such a problem with a year ago. Because, I mean, let's face it, third and nine, there aren't a lot of wacky, fun calls you can make. To, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's like, it's, I mean, what are you going to do? you got to throw the ball. Yeah. Um, 
if you're if you're third and two, if you're third and four, you know, there there are obviously different things you can do. And so I think Chickaconquo is going to be part of the package. I I think that he's he's improved overall enough to do that in his full game. Many Titans fans wondered why he did not play as much early in the season last year. And it was simply because of the fact that he just couldn't execute all of the blocking schemes yet. As the year went on and as he got better, he was always willing, but there's a learning curve. And as as he got better, they were able to play him more and he played well. Mm-hmm. Now talking with Mike Keith, voice of the Titans. Last thing for you, Mike, and I'm, I promise I'm not asking you to badmouth anyone by any stretch of the imagination, but Derrick Henry was sort of caught in, in the middle of this conversation when it came to running back value this offseason. And in, in that division sure. with the Titans, you have Jonathan Taylor, who's going to be now not traded, it looks like, after uh, all of the you know disagreements with uh, you know, uh, Jim Ursay, Chris Ballard, the front office. He didn't get a contract put on the table for him, even though he ran for eighteen hundred yards two years ago. What do you make of all of all of the happenings there in Indy, and in most most notably the the Jonathan Taylor situation? I don't know what the Taylor thing turned on specifically. Uh, I know he got some new representation, and I know he's at a point contractually where he's looking to get paid because he was not a high draft pick. And so his pay has not been commiserate to his production. Yep. And that's, and that's true. A lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, that's what happened. That's why the second contract is such a big deal. But the issue is, are you going to pay a running back? Yep. Because most teams Gabe, do not pay running backs. Less than 10 teams in the league, quote unquote, pay a running back. When you do, you make a decision offensively that you're not going to pay another receiver. You're not going to pay another tight end. You're not going to pay uh, one of your offensive linemen. I mean, that money directly comes from somewhere else. And it's just like we, we let a couple skilled players go a couple years ago when we paid Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. And and it's so so. What was the choice? Were we going to let Derrick Henry walk, or were we going to you know step up and pay a tight end or pay a second receiver or you know these are the decisions that you have to make. So I, I think philosophically, it's a tough time for the Colts because they're trying to figure out what their step forward is. With Anthony Richardson, yeah. it would be very wise to have the best running back <laughs> you could possibly have, right? Which is, which is why they're trying to hold on to Jonathan Taylor. But Jonathan Taylor's trying to get paid, and his representative's trying to get him paid. And I don't think he feels like they're going to get the best deal there because the trouble with running backs is unless you're at the moment he is, a productive moment when your contract is up, then you have no leverage mm-hmm. due to the fact that there are a lot more running backs out there than there are spots. Yep. yep. You now, can find a guy. Now, I will say this. I feel like you and a lot of Titans fans feel differently about paying running backs based on the production that Derrick Henry's thrown out there. $15 well, million a, a year seems a, like it's somewhat worth it. Yeah, well, I mean, Derrick's earned his money. I mean, there's no doubt. And, and there's, but, but there's, some team, there's some people around the league, and I heard a guy talk on this one time. He said, you know, if you're paying a running back – five times what you're paying another running back in your division, 
then if he doesn't gain five times as many yards, he's not worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, well, you mean a guy have to gain like 6,000 <laughs> yards? to be <laughs> right. Okay, so maybe I don't go there, but I, I get the point. Yep. You know, when you're, when you're dealing in the salary cap era, here are positions that are, are going to suffer right now in the salary cap era. Running backs are going to suffer. In, interior offensive linemen are going to suffer pay-wise. Inside linebackers yep, are going to suffer. Linebackers. Yep. Run, run stuffing interior defensive linemen are going to suffer. And safeties are going to suffer. Well, where are those positions, Gabe? Those positions are all inside the hash marks. Yep. This game has turned into something. Starting in high school, this game has turned into an outside the hash marks game. It has. And it carries over to college and it carries over to the NFL as well. Yep. And that's at this point in time, for the most part, with some exceptions, but for the most part, that's where guys are getting paid. Mm-hmm. And the view of these front offices is who affects winning more. And that's who they're going to pay ultimately. So, uh, well, that's it because you've got and and you're looking for depth and options at those spots too. Because then, if you lose one of those players, then you need another one quickly. Like last year, Taylor Lewan goes down the first play of the second game of the season, and the Titans have to bring in a tackle who's being paid roughly seven percent as much as Taylor Lewan. Yep. So so he's not nearly the quality of player as Taylor Lewan for a reason. Mm-hmm. He he's you you so you're you're looking for a young guy, you're looking for a swing guy, you're you're looking for someone who can give you outstanding depth or who can solve a problem for you. Um that's that's what the answer that's what the answers are at wide receiver. That's why people are grabbing corners left and right. Uh, because you just can't find enough of them for how this game is being played today. Agreed. Agreed. Well, he is Mike Keith. He will be at the Hilton Memphis coming up at 1130 on Tuesday for the Memphis Touchdown Club Speaker Series. Mike, it was great catching up with you and can't wait till Tuesday. Yeah, I hope I didn't just do my whole talk there. We'll have some different questions. There'll, there'll be some different <laughs> questions posed by the time we get to Tuesday. I, yeah, I think Harold Grader will have some good stuff for me. I'm, I'm really looking imagine. forward to being there and, and really honored that they asked me to come down. And, and you know, excited that it's going to be on the first Tuesday of the season. Too. Yep. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep, looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. Okay, see you. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. He is the voice of the Titans. Mike Keith, make sure if you want tickets and information to the luncheon on Tuesday at 1130 at Hilton Memphis, is where you can find all those, uh, the tickets and the information. Now get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now it's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. And you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Gabe K. That's my promo code G-A-B-E-K. And kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus and present in Tennessee. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends 9-18-23. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket.